Yeah, it is. But at the same time, you know, as soon as you turn left or right, you're in big trouble with the crossies. <laughs> so it was, it was like, yeah, you're, you're controlled. For, say you got 10K, 10K ahead of you. Like, yeah, we can, we can have a bit of a chat for 5 or 6K here. But those last few K, it's like you're full gas lining it out, ready for that crosswind to come. And yeah. then it is super, super stressful when you get crossies because you're like, Hello legends and welcome back to the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift. That's right, where fun is fast, the Press Room has a title sponsor and of course it is Zwift. A huge thank you for Zwift and the team for getting behind the Press Room and myself to help me and support me in my really ambitious goals for where I want to take this podcast and obviously with the backing of someone as strong, as big and as popular as Zwift, Uh, The podcast is going to grow immensely this year and I really hope that you guys really enjoy the content and what I've got in store for you this year. It is massive. So a huge thank you to them for coming on board and also how about the new branding? Now I can fully reveal all the branding and update the socials so look out for that and a big thank you to my mate Annie who works for uh, Hello Ramble, that's her own business and she has created all the new branding for me. So if you think that I was doing that, you are dead wrong. That is the skills of any kid who has put together an absolute ripping branding uh, setup for the Press Room Podcast. So with that, let me just tell you a little bit of story as why I love Zwift. And you know why? It's because I started back in 2016 and I had a real budget trainer. It was one of those stinking magnetic trainers, but it got the job done. I had a budget Bunnings fan, pedestal fan, and I had my iPad with Zwift with a little case that I could hang over my dining room chair, and I set it up in the garage. And classic me, you'll learn about me you know, over, the, over the weeks, I just got stuck into a race, and I remember this race vividly. It was my first event. It was going around London Circuit, and you know it was going into the last lap, and it was starting to heat up. You know what it's like in those races? And who do I see in the column of riders on the right-hand side? Mark Cavendish. And I was like, are you serious? I'm riding against Mark Cavendish. And this was 2016, back when he won four stages against Marcel Kittel. They were having a battle royale in that Tour de France. Um, And that was like before he started coming back this year, last year, that was his last period where he was dominating. And so he was king of the earth. And I couldn't believe it. I'm in my garage on this budget trainer and I'm racing against one of the best sprinters in the world. So that's what I love about it. You can just get on your bike, and you can compete in a race, or you can go for a group ride, or whatever. Amazing, and we'll talk about it more in the coming weeks. Um, But big thanks to Zwift for coming on board. So now we have episode three. Now this is one of my favorites, one of my favorite cyclists going around right now, and a friend of the podcast Luke Plapp, the National Australian Road Race Champion, riding for Ineos Grenadiers. And I'm sure all of you would have been glued to your TV or the GCN app just uh, watching Plappy as he, well, rode the absolute skin off it at UAE. He was at the front of the leadouts uh, in those highway hectic Sprinter World Champ leadouts that we saw. And then come the come the mountaintop finishes, uh, Jabel Jai, Jabel Hafi, he's in there with the front group, attacking with Pogacar, leading out Yates, helping Garner. Amazing. And, of course, Plappy gives us full insight into what that was like, what it was like with his move to Europe. He's now moved full-time, living there with his girlfriend, Georgia Baker, who rides for uh, Team Bike Exchange, and Alex Manley as well. And he sort of you know, goes into what it's like moving and getting set up, talks about UAE, what's it like in the front group with Pogaccia, you know, leading out Yates and, and, and helping in that mountain train and just being there in the Nationals kit. And also, we talk about those leadouts, man. I mean, seriously. We all saw how fast they were going. Uh, six, seven trains just chinging off, fighting for wheels. I asked Plappy to give us the full rundown of what it's like in that last 10 kilometers when you've got Pippo Garner on the wheel, you've got Viviani in the wheel, and you've got Grunewagen, and you've got um, Bennett and all those guys, Mullen, just chinging off you, trying to get in your wheels, headbutting you, all that stuff. 
what is it like? He takes us right in there. Um, and we talk about just about everything, really. Uh, it's a ripping episode. So with that, you know what to do, guys. This is episode three, so crank up the ergo. Start up Swift. Get on Wontopia. Do whatever. This is episode three. Luke Plack. We'll see you soon. So uh, to be honest, I think it was like I've come from three months of 35 degrees, like Oz and UAE, to it's like four degrees maximum when you wake up, being zero most mornings, gets mm. to 10 during the day. Wow. So I think it's just like the massive shock for me. Like if I showed you outside now, there's not a cloud in the sky, you'd look at it and say, mate, she's 35. <laughs> but it is, it is so cold. I see. That's crazy. You're probably right though. That's when you go in that big temperature change. Um, and that's what gets everyone, you know, when they say change of season and, you know, everyone gets, everyone gets told change of season. I think it's temperature. Definitely. Has to be, mate. Has to be. Because I am like, even Georgia, she's been here for three weeks longer than me now. And she's walking around the house like T-shirt, shorts, just whatever she wants. And I am like trackies. I've got three layers on. I'm wearing a beanie every every second of the day. Like, <laughs> I am proper freezing. Yeah. How does that... Um... What's the the team sponsors of Bell Staff? Bell Staff? Yeah, yeah, it's there. Um, so it's a super super high quality like uh, like dress wear, really. To be honest, like for like formal stuff. Oh. Um, so it's it's a London thing. So the owner of the team owns Bell Staff too. So oh. they've just made us some more casual stuffs for. It's like Jerry Ryan making the team wear Jayco Caravans or. Mitchelton, yeah. uh, making a mirror, Mitchelton top, but raising for Jayco. Yeah. Same sort of thing, but he's made like, oh, just some more casual jumpers, trackies and t-shirts for us to rock around in. Yeah, that's cool. But we've got like, we've got some like suit jackets and uh, like cool. some leather jackets as well that like, is there proper, is there proper stuff? So it's cool to like wear a bit of both. And some people pull it off. There's this like leather, bike. to me, it's like a bikey jacket, but not to like, them it's like. Was it like Matrix style, like Neo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full like got like a matrix style collar and oh mate, it's and some people pull it off and I'm like, I'm not wearing that. <laughs> it's definitely a style. <laughs> That's cool though, like all the different kit. I'd still be rocking your um your Olympic suit, mate. No, mate. Once I haven't put that on again and I don't plan to ever put it on again. It's like the unspoken rule, you never you never wear it again. Is that right? Yeah, once you are yeah, once you get given that kit, you uh, don't really put it back on ever. Done. Wow. Even the suit. Yeah. I mean, nah. you're wear it. You're gonna wear it to Coles, I guess. Yeah. No, nah. I'll, I'll wear like the uh, casual shorts. Yeah. Okay. But that's that's as far as I'll go. Okay. Not even the bucket. So it's hat. a bit. Uh, I wear the I wear a backwards cap. The bucket hat I've misplaced somewhere. I reckon I don't know where it is. Something's got but, it. But uh, yeah, it's a bit of an unwritten rule that you okay. don't. You don't wear it again. Hmm, interesting. So, um, what? Uh, so, what? You're in Andorra now, but you do you live in Girona? No. So, so I've got a, we've got a place in both. I'm actually still in Girona. We we're going to go to Andorra, uh, but it's Kel's just like, mate, don't go. It's 45 centimeters snow yesterday. 25 centimeters today. He's just like, you'd be stupid to go up at the moment. Hmm. Um, so we're just going to stay in Girona for a bit. Nice. But it's yeah, Andorra is like minus 10 at the moment. <laughs> You and um, do you and Georgia live together? Yeah, yeah. She's uh, she just got back from the shops then, actually. How good, nice. That's pretty um, cool. and then with Alex Manley too, who's Georgia's best friend and rides better. She's also she's a Perth girl, change, right? Yeah, yeah, she is. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So we got a oh, we got an awesome place here. Like it's a bit of a penthouse pad, to be honest. Yeah, I'm looking at the background. What is that? Is this like a wall, like a feature wall? Yeah, just a feature wall. Like it's, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty nice place. So, like, have you got a good little training group going at um, where you are now? Uh, not. Oh, so far I haven't, I haven't rode since I've been back in Girona yet. Mm. Um, today was the first day, but there are, there is a good squad around if I, if we need it. Mm. Um, but at the same time, like we're racing so much that uh, everyone's away at different parts of the time. Mm. Um. So like today I saw Cal for a brew and he's like, mate, I might see in six or seven weeks, <laughs> like just with different calendars and 
everyone's a sort of a different rider to each other. You're at different races. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it chops and changes, but you've always got someone that's around to ride with. Yeah. But uh, I'm very much a bit of a solo cruiser, to be honest. Oh, interesting. And have you got anyone from um, Ineos like living around you who might is on like the same sort of program that you'll be this year? Uh, Andorra, there's nine guys, but not one in Girona. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because uh, I guess like you, you would spend more time with the people who are on a similar like race schedule to you, whether on, on your team or not. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But no, I'm, I'm pretty... I, I like doing my own riding, so. Okay, sweet. There's no like, is there, is there like bunch rides and stuff? No, see, that's, and there should be. There, and everyone, I reckon everyone says there should be here, yeah. but there's no set bunch rides at all. Like I'd love to start a, what that, you can do it any day because every day, like it's not like there's a weekend here really, like everyone's training full time. Yeah. Um, but you'd love to say, look, on Wednesdays and Saturdays, 10 o'clock, meet at the bridge, and we're going for a chop-off. Like, yeah. hour loop, and we're going for the comp every week. <laughs> yeah, that's someone's got in scared. It seems like it has to be an Aussie that would set that in place. Oh, for sure. It, <laughs> it would definitely be an Aussie thing. And Kiwis would get around it. Oh, yeah. Except they call it, Georgia, what do Kiwis call it? They call it something different to us. We call it, like, chop-off or oh, chop-off. Uh, they call it something I know else. what you say. Lap it out. Lap it out, they say. What do they say? laugh it out it's so laugh weird wow i'm from new zealand and i don't even know that laugh no out. that was well that was george georgia williams laugh it out she said <laughs> well whoever does it someone needs to, someone needs to and then someone just needs to put a gopro on that thing and put it on youtube That's yeah it. exactly hey um so the first thing i wanted to talk about is um uae tour so um must have been pretty cool to start like your first well world tour stage race but i wondered like um were you staying in somewhere nice so they put you up in a good hotel the event yeah it was uh so from europe the organizers charter flight you over so every uh, every team was on the charter flights over well um and then we're on a it was a pretty spectacular hotel, to be honest. I think it was a five-star hotel, uh, and it was overlooking the F1 track in Abu Dhabi. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. So every oh, – there was, like, four-hour races, six-hour races going on, and then when there wasn't that, the supercars would go out or the F2s and F3s were there. Really? Uh, so we were just – yeah, we were watching the race cars pretty much what? the whole day, and they didn't stop till like, 9.30. Like, it got a bit annoying, to be honest. <laughs> but, uh, no, nah, it wasn't too bad, it, but it was – beautiful comfy hotel and they i think they really embrace it and love it over there yeah um yeah so we had two different hotels and both of them were pretty spectacular right they had a they actually raced on that circuit i think a few years ago um, mm. i think even, they yeah. raced on it in the wet once i think caleb won when it was just like pissing down uh yeah right <laughs> in the wet but that's pretty cool i didn't realize they'd have the cars racing as well especially f2s that's yeah, that's yeah it was either f2s or f3s yeah, but they were, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool watching them. Would have been loud. Oh, yeah, super loud. There was one day where uh, there was like a proper race and they had five restarts, I think, because like the second corner, everyone just kept coming off. Oh, shit. So that was pretty enjoyable to watch. Actually. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. So, first thing I thought was really cool when I was watching the, um, the race on, on GCN, it was so good to have the racing back. The GCN app was just getting pumped. Um, was the was the lead outs obviously like the sprinters and stuff we, 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 it was a sprinters world champs at the start i want to know what it's like um like i saw your role in the lead out look like you were sort of there um like around that five to three to 2k mark can you tell us what like what was your role for the lead outs in the uae uh second last guy uh so drop people and ali are off at about 1k to go so that yeah. was get get from about yeah 3k to 1k to go sort of surf the wheels a bit as much as we could because mm -hmm. we are we're a man down early luke Rowe didn't start with us oh, um overnight so, yeah yeah so he would have been awesome for the lead outs and just the crosswind so that was a big shame that he wasn't there um so we couldn't really line it up from a while out so we sort of had to surf the wheels a bit um and then yeah i was at like 3k to 1k to go uh let people do his thing in that last k and see what alia can do um mm -hmm. 
so it was a bit of a yeah it was a bit of fun but at the same time up until up until 3k to go we're all there just to protect adam make sure he was safe uh, and that was that once we got to 3k to go and you're within the 3k the 3k rule it was all right, all right let's switch to the sprint and see what we can do uh but yeah at the same time we were there for the tour for for adam yeah definitely but when you're doing the lead out that's your job um getting that two to two to one category 1.5 when do you actually switch on in the bike race to go right you know now i've got to start thinking about your role doing that lead out but what kilometer mark do you go like right 50ks on yeah about well we uh we stayed at the front almost the whole race every from kilometer zero to the finish just to be a bit safer because it's so quick over there. Um, but yeah, I'd say with 50K to go, that's when you really see the teams like start to form trains and uh, find each other. Between 50 and 30K to go. Um, but definitely like 25K to go, it's it's on. Yeah. Um, and that last 10K is, especially on those roads out there, it is What's the road size? Like smooth, hot mix. Oh yeah, eight, eight lane wide highways. Just <laughs> hot mix. Like the first day was the craziest. So it was a, 95k out one way oh no turns eh? you bolt 95k back six lane highway this one was and it was like one percent up the whole way out like one percent down the whole way back yeah and uh oh, mate it was quick <laughs> like like that what, what like, it was did you have on the front <laughs> not enough not enough that's a not day enough. you really feel like how good your tires are too eh? when you've got like smooth yeah and you're at speed um when does uh like when you're doing the in that sort of lead out bit like are people like because sometimes you see the race kind of split and fork and you know one train starts to sort of maybe up the pace and then you know the people behind them kind of follow them but then the other side's still holding as well so you kind of get a snake Mm. and like when you're watching that you must see like people just boxing on all day long um in that lead out like when does all that sort of fighting start is it like 10k to go like people bumping and just trying to hold position getting stressed like yeah i'd say i, I don't know about the other tours but i think with, with uae because it's because it's so quick uh and you finish the last few k's so fast so mm. it's more like 15 20k to go is where you really start fighting yeah. i can't i've never done the other tours to be honest i don't know yeah but uh it definitely felt like we were really boxing on quite early yeah. Uh, to hold hold position, yeah. um, but those yeah. Once you're inside 10k, it's yeah yeah. Rubbing shoulders of heavy, which oh, it was. I definitely had to. It's something that I haven't done leading out before, so it was a yeah. it was a nice first time to do it. So yeah, for me it was it was a good place to start. I think with the the wide roads, it gave you that bit extra space. Like I'm sure once we're in Europe and mm. only three three teams or two teams fit on the roads compared to every team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it'd be a bit different, but we were joking around and saying the last, the second last day, stage six, it must have been. Um, the final running had literally eight lanes, and we were like, every team should just get given a, ro- a lane on the road, and <laughs> yeah. you just TT. <laughs> best, best lead out wins. Hey, that would be pretty sick, actually. Would be. Yeah, but that's a good point, though. Like, do you like? Obviously, you haven't had an opportunity to do that sort of stuff um, in terms of like holding your position and that sort of thing, like. Do you get like scared when someone's like leaning on you at speed, like, or is it just kind of automatic for you, or not yet? Uh, I think in the first hundred and fifty clicks of the race, you're almost like I definitely am a bit like oh, I don't need to be doing this. I'm a bit scared. Like you can have the wheel. Like I don't want to fight for it that early. Um, but I think in the last thirty k for me, it was because I haven't done it before. I wasn't sure what it'd be like, but definitely something clicked up top, and you're like, well, look, this is this is the job. You got to hold the wheel now. Um, and I think for me being a bit younger and having like guys that I've idolized a bit on the wheel, you want to, you want to do your job well. So, uh, you definitely sort of like click to make sure you could hold your wheel. Uh, and at times I couldn't, like at times I lost it. Um, and it's annoying, but yeah, I think, uh, it was, yeah, it was a nice thing to be a part of for the first time. And yeah, I definitely want to keep being a part of it. And Ali is pretty awesome to work with. Uh, and he's, oh, he's a class act. Yeah, he is class. He knows how to. He might not be the fastest, like in a straight line out of the box, but he's such a crafty racer, eh? And he'll always yeah. be in the position to win, even if he's not the fastest. And that still means you get, you know, three out of ten, you know, wins. But um, yeah, for sure. 
like you mentioned, yeah, you had, you know, the guys in the wheel, you know, that you want to try and impress, you want to try and, you know, do your job, like you said, and show that, yeah, I'm the real deal. Um, I noticed it looked like from the coverage, because we were getting the view like straight on and, um, you know, you can't miss you in the bloody national kit, mate, uh, which is just so sick to get up the front. But I was looking and I could see that um, Kwiatkowski looked like he was kind of um, barking the orders and being the captain in that lead out. Um, yeah. It must be so good to have someone like him as like the guy who's just gone, right, this is what we're doing. Um especially for you, you know, in that new setting for you. Yeah, oh, Criatos, oh, he was unreal this week. And so Luke was meant to be the road captain. And then when uh, you don't have Luke, it's pretty, like, Criatos not a bad second man, is he? Um, so we had, yeah, I guess at a race, we had two road captains, Alia, Pipo, mm. uh, and Yatesy. Like, it was a pretty stacked team. Uh, mm. And even before that, uh, I think Egan was meant to be there too. Like, it was, it was a pretty special team that they put together for the race. Uh, so to be able to be a part of that was awesome. But yeah, Quiato was uh, real good on the on the radio, and I think he's got so much respect in the Palo that uh, yeah, when he held, when he has his position, you get to pretty much keep it. But at the same time, whenever he says something, you trust it. When we're on the when you're watching the sprint, you know we get to see the photo of the, the video, which is obviously the cameraman on the back of the motorbike shooting down the barrel of the lead out and. I wondered, like, can you can you are you getting a bit of draft off that moto in the front ten wheels or not really? Yeah, for sure, for sure. This week we were a bit. Yeah, I think when you come that quick, you do. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I think that added to a bit of the pace being up a bit as well. To be honest, not that it needed to be any quicker. Um, <laughs> there was one stage. I think it was yeah stage six again. This was ridiculous stage this one. Um, but there was uh, Alperson and Quickstep on the front just giving it a bit to try to bring back. This is the stage we didn't catch the break. Oh, yeah. Um, but, but every down... So the moto is almost in cruise control in a way, like what speed we're doing. So they just hold that speed to get a good shot. But every downhill, we pick up our speed and they haven't noticed it too quickly. So we got a bit of a run at them. And then it just... Oh, the pallet just strung out because it, it took a while for the moto to realise the, uh, the front guys had a run at him. And they yeah. got real quick at the front and the pallo just started to strike. Oh. And it was so frustrating behind because you're like, like, what's going on? Like, shouldn't yeah. they just be riding a, a pretty solid tempo? And because you're a few wheels back, you don't realise what's going on until a bit later. And you're like, ah, oh, they're running at the motor. And that would be even worse. It'd just be magnified because, you know, you're on that downhill, you're getting to run into the bike and then the bike's like, oh, shit, you know, got to turn it up. So then they rev it up and then it kind of just, it pulls them along. For yeah. It's a lead out, basically. But oh, for sure. And so that oh that day we were going so quick, like <laughs> and did not catch the break. Like oh, yeah. we were going quick. Yeah, there's some there's some strong boys. And uh yeah, the guy that won, he, he um yeah, it was a pretty good sprint. They couldn't lose that. They had three of them, for God's sake. Yeah. yeah, exactly. What does it feel like to be right at the front? Because I think it might have been the second stage, or maybe the first stage, it was you had sort of got to the end or towards the end of your turn and you were on the front of the bunch and the other train on the other side couldn't match your speed and you were just emptying the tank on the front. What is it like being on the front of the full pillow with like 1.5 to go? That must be like, you can always find a little bit extra, right? Yeah, it was get get your job done before it gets hectic in that last K. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> get my job done and get out of there as quick yeah, as I can. Ejector. Yeah, that's, oh, I think yeah, that's stage two. Uh, yeah, the turn was with like 1.1k to go, and I just had to get to that turn. But watching the video of that last k, I'm glad I wasn't a part of that. I don't think that was made. Yeah, yeah. the thing is, once once you those guys that do that last that between that five to one k, once they get their job done, like you think you're going quick, but that last k is something else. Like they turn the screws up in that final k. Those last lead out guys, it's pretty ridiculous. Yeah, it is. And it's like the turn of speed as well. They don't just look slowly. Yeah. Rapid accelerations out of the seat and you're like, far out. Like, <laughs> you're already going yeah. okay now. Oh, okay. Well, um, the TT. Mm. Um, road bike. That's up. Mm. That's like, that must have been like, I don't want to do it too much, but like, I was, I woke up and I saw the TT and I was like, I was looking for your results. I was like, oh, he's got to be in the top five. And I was like, oh, no, he's not. It's still further down. And I was reading the news. But what actually happened? Did you bin it? Uh, in recon. Yeah. Uh, 
did the so it was only one turn in the whole course and i was like well right. try and make up some time on it and uh did it a fair few times just trying to get quicker and quicker over it mm. uh and then found that found that limit um yeah and because uae uh, it's so hard to access with like equipment and stuff so yeah, yeah. the bike you take are quite limited mm -hmm. um so yeah we just didn't have a spare tt bike yeah but yeah. that was yeah that was on me that one ah cool. it happens um i guess the yeah the logistical challenges of bringing tt bikes to races like that is so hard you know the, traveling the bikes ages away so i, I imagine on a normal stage race with a tt you'd probably have two or at least you would have two right i, I would have thought yeah two or three for sure usually in europe uh, it's just so easy to take them around places mm. how did you um approach the tt and the road bike like you must be like oh you know obviously you can't go against the, the tt rigs but like were you like oh i'm just going to do like a threshold effort or just try and go as hard as you can what were you thinking uh full gas to turn around and then realized i'd make time cut and then took the foot off the gas a bit on the way back mm. mainly because just to make sure you made the cut because i knew how quick the race was going to be mm. um so if you didn't really go full gas on a roadie you'd be in trouble to i guess not make it so i knew if i got to halfway mark yeah and i was still had a good time then i can i'll make it on the way home mm. uh and, and to be honest i was like ah, i'll still still go as hard as i can and see what power i can do but i yeah. think uh once I realized like I wasn't on my TT bike, the head sort of comes out of it a bit. Yeah. You're like, what's the, what's the point really in a way? Yeah, no, fair enough. Once, mate, it's heap, there'll be heaps of TTs, but what about the real good stuff was the climbs, mate. The climbs were so sick. It was so good. I couldn't wait to get and watch this stage. And I know everyone was the same. People were just frothing it. That stage four was the Jabel J's, I think. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I sort of switched on with maybe like nine Ks to go or something. That's maybe when this climb started or a bit when, it, when it started kicking off. Um, you know, as, as you're starting the climb and people are starting to get like eliminated, ejected, dropping, and were you sort of like, obviously you're doing your roll and that sort of stuff, but you must have noticed, okay, as the group is getting smaller, as the group was getting smaller, you must have been going, well, oh, yeah, like I was starting to feel good about being here. Both days, both climbs did not look back once because I didn't want to know. I knew it would stuff in my head if there was a fair few guys there and I was struggling. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I was in my head. I was like, just don't look back. Stay at the front with Adam, ride my rhythm and work out at the end how many sort of are left because I knew if, uh, if I was hurting and I looked back and there was a lot of guys, I guess it just demoralizes you, doesn't it? So, mm. uh, yeah, but it, yeah, like I was, I was pretty stoked with how they both went. Yeah. Um, and the first, that Jabel Jace or however you say it, it's, it is a quick climb. Yeah. Like you get a good sit in the wheel. It was a headwind up there as well. So mm. uh, it definitely suited me and helped me a lot, yeah. that sort of climb. Um, but yeah, at the same time, I, was, oh, I loved it. And I think I was riding on a bit of excitement, to be honest. Mm. Once I knew I was, a bit, I was there at the end, I was, I was pretty excited about it. And I think that gives you a bit extra too. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, it was just don't look back. That was my, that was my thing. I like that. That's a good way. That's a great like process on how to, you know, eliminate that from, uh, you know, being a negative thing on your, on your ride. But like, it must have been so cool to just look across and, you know, see Pogacar's there. You're riding with, you know, you know, one of the most talented riders. And of course, Adam, who's an absolute like jet. Like, and, and also like you, did you feel like, it was you kind of demonstrating, yes, I am as good as you know my start to cycling has shown you. Because obviously there's a lot of hype about you and stuff, but you still got to deliver it on the road. It must have felt good to go, yeah, I, I belong, I belong here at the front. Yeah, I think for me it was uh, the TT was disappointing, so I sort of wanted to to show something. That was sort of what I went to the two or four to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was a bit that was a bit tough, uh, and at the same time, I I didn't know how I'd climb. Or TT, like I didn't know how anything I have done in the summer would stack up against yeah. the World Tour just because I've never done it. So I think for me, it was sort of just finding finding myself out a bit. Um, but yeah, I knew that climb, if it was if it was a headwind, would be would suit me in the way it was raced. Mm -hmm. So I think I was I was just quite lucky with the weather that day. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, definitely at the end, it was. Uh, I think it was nice just to be able to offer and do my job 
uh, yeah. and like to have three of us up there and oh, what people did that day was pretty spectacular. Man, um, yeah. big, big watts, <laughs> big, big watts. I know. I would have loved to have seen the power file. I mean, I think Velon posted what is you know powers for X amount of minutes. It was like over four hundred fifty watts or something for forty odd minutes. Like, yeah, well over that. Insane. But then you look at it like you just. It looks ridiculous, especially when you get further into the stage and there's really only the smaller blokes left and he's just this monster. <laughs> yeah. But that was, it was such a good ride. And, mate, like we were talking about the first time, you know, the first podcast we did and, and other times, like, we get to see the Australian jersey at the front, you know, working at a key moment of the race. It's, um, yeah, it's really cool to see. And I guess, yeah, you said before, like, those types of climbs, do you think that style of climb like a like oh were you climbing in the big ring for most of it or not quite yeah that that was big ring the whole yeah. time that day it's like i think i think it was like 26k now 27 maybe i was pretty quick i think Hey legends, I hope you're enjoying the episode with Plappy so far. A huge shout out to our title sponsor Zwift for coming on board. And speaking of Zwift, the tour of Watopia is on this week. Starting March 9th, some of the best routes are going to be put into the events for the tour of Watopia. Five stages, I believe, and five of the best routes going around. So you can tick off a few route badges in the group ride setting, which is always a little bit easier. You know, you get a little bit of draft. There's a bit of chat in the uh, in the little chat box with the community. That's always good. Maybe you can chat about the press room. We'll see. But also... You get double XP points, and that's what I'm all about because I'm sniffing around level 27 and I need to get to level 31. So I need all the help I can get, and double XP is going to get me there. What is at level 31? Well, I'll tell you right now the Oakley eye shades, and I'm a sunglass nut in real life and virtually. So I've got the eye shades, I'm wearing them right now, but I need them in the game. So I need double XP. So with that, I'm going to see you hopefully on the tour of Utopia. Seven-day free trial is in the description. So just sign up, and with double XP, if you complete the Watopia, the tour, you'll have probably level five before you know it. Is that your type of climb, do you think, that suits you the best, or that's just what you know right now? Uh, I think it's it's just it's the only climb I, I had done in the last, I guess, month leading up to like I spent three weeks in bright leading up to UAE oh, and that's yeah. like identical to Buffalo for me so I was like yeah I've, I've done this climb a fair few times sort of mm. same gradient um and, and I think I, I do enjoy a climb like that because it's not pure watts per kilo in a way like you've got a bit of speed there to help you with the draft yeah um yeah whether like the Jabal Hafeet the last one that's a that's just raw watts per kilo like that that stuff hurts yeah. You can't hide on that sort of stuff. Um, you, mate, you got fifth on that. Pretty, yeah. Pretty good, mate. Popping off and like, uh, I thought it was funny how, um, and you just saw it, like I saw it on, on Twitter and a few things like, you know, obviously the Italians are so passionate when mm. I got a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just funny. Yeah, like, I, got, I, I copped a bit from it, didn't I? Yeah, it's it's just so you like you gotta love the passion, but yeah, <laughs> you gotta love the passion. But even to be attacking at the finale, like, um, and you look like you're hurting too. Mm. I was you, hurting from kilometer one almost. That was that's yeah, it was awesome. And Adam went so close to Pog. It looked like in the I don't know if you watched the replay of that final when when Adam attacked mm. and he had Pog in the wheel, and Adam was obviously giving it all. To get over that, yeah. Place. And Pog, that was the first. You, didn't, you don't see him really close. Uh, yeah, like no, he, he got close. He, he really did. You, I haven't, I hadn't seen him with those facial expressions before. And um, yeah, kind of cool because you're like, wow, this guy actually can um, be beaten. And Adam was not far off. He just needed a few more hundred meters of it still going up. Yeah, for sure. And I wish like. That was, I wish I could have given him something at the bottom of that climb just to, I guess, make it a harder race from the start. But those boys are so strong. I was just swinging holding the wheels that day. Like, I was just hanging on for dear life in the wheels. Like, I got uh, ridden off a few times and I was just lucky that there was a few flat parts in the middle to 
like I could ride a tempo or they sort of looked at each other. But uh, yeah, that was a, some of those gradients on that last climb were ridiculous. And yeah, Yates, he got close. He got real close. Yeah, he did. You must like um, on those stages, is it, is it hard to eat so much food for those sort of stages? You've got to fuel heaps. Like, is it, is it difficult, a challenge? Uh, yeah, you got to, I guess for me, I learned that you got to sort of front load it a lot uh just because it's it's quite relaxed at the start and chilled um so i was just smashing my gels early to know yeah. that like in that last 40k 30k it's, you're pretty quick um so if you can smash it early you don't need as much at the end uh but i think the the feeling's not that it's the hydration is the hardest part especially at uae like so hot yeah um so we're just going back for bottles constantly trying to get some we had extra feeds just to get more water in the system really yeah um especially for the euro guys like coming from winter like it would have been a massive shock yeah um yeah like i loved being able to come from Oz. like that was awesome for me straight um, breaks the travel up to europe but yeah i got summits still but yeah it would have been a bit different coming from like minus degrees here to 35 degrees over there there's a few salt stains that's for sure <laughs> that's a good that's the benefit of having the water <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> disguises it doesn't it <laughs> oh okay so um what's it like sort of uh like in in that team for uae um who's sort of like the most vocal on the team like obviously like quieto is was the captain for that particular team the road captain and stuff but is anyone like a real leader on the road as well like is, is adam a, a vocal dude or uh no, nah, I'd say uh, it's all very even. I'd say Quiato's he does the, like, as captain, he, he lets us know the, the roles and what we do. Um, mm. But, yeah, I think for the for the climbing stages, Adam tells us what he wants, and uh, we do our best to deliver that in a way. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of it's all of us just, like, looking after him, asking if he needs food, water, uh, whatever we can do, really. Um, mm. But I think from what I expect, experience and it was a lot more controlled and relaxed in the palais than I thought it would be uh, at the start of those stages I think especially the I think with UAE you know how the race is going to unfold nine times out of ten like yeah. you could almost cut 50k out 100k out and you're probably going to get a very similar result yeah um, so I think it was quite relaxed at the start so you could really chill and wasn't as stressful mm. it's only stressful in the last 30k because that's where the result's happening um, which I think is going to be a lot different Europe and something called I'll figure out quite soon. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it was, I really enjoyed UAE in the fact that the first hour and a half, I uh, just made my way through the Palo chatting to some mates, like catching yeah. up with Kel, Jared, those yeah. sort of boys that I hadn't seen for a while and just having a, a bit of a yak with them, which is, oh, I liked it. It was just a, it was just a fun, enjoyable environment that first hour or so uh, before you really got serious. Yeah, no, it's, uh, that's awesome. And yeah, that's, it reminds me of, um, you know, you saw the photos of people just cruising and one of those stages with the, with the headwind and you're barely moving. Mm. And that was the one where Jakobsen got off the bike and ran. Yeah, and yeah. I've seen that. Is it, what does it feel like when you're in the bunch and you like, it's a weird sensation to go like really slow? Yeah, it is. But at the same time, you know, as soon as you turn left or right, you're in big trouble with the crossies <laughs> so it was it was like yeah you're, you're controlled for say you got 10k 10k ahead of you like yeah we can we can have a bit of a chat for five or six k here but those last few k it's like you're full gas lining it out ready for that crosswind to come and yeah. then it is super super stressful when you get crossies because you're like you sort of give it a crack you realize it's not going to happen but you're all so tentative and like waiting like having a look on your left or right waiting for that team to come flying around and put it in the gutter yeah, and right. just like stressing stressing and waiting for it to happen oh. um and we were lucky oh there's like a few few stages where it really threatened to come yeah but uh the longest straights of the day were always headwind so it neutralized it a bit yeah um but especially like stage one i think last year stage one was crosswinds both ways and you saw like from kilometer one, you had, I think it was a pretty awesome photo on a bridge that someone took it, just echelons, yeah, echelons. Like, that would have been, it easily could have been, if the wind direction was any different way, it would have been yeah. a pretty ridiculous tour. Mm. Um, so I think we were lucky with the wind in a way that it, it kept it a bit more controlled. But uh, 
yeah, you can see how exposed it is out there in the desert. Like it's, oh. it's pretty ridiculous. I, I hadn't been before. So riding along those highways that don't have a turn in them for a hundred K and you've got desert either side of your sand dunes. It's, oh, it's pretty cool. But at the same time, it gets, gets a bit old. Yeah. Yeah. It would, the novelty would wear off quick. I mean, it's pretty a crazy, mm. like it's a crazy place because after the, how they do the coverage is like they, sh- you know, they do the few replays of the finish, at least in the sprints. And then they'd show the top 10 um, stage, top 10 GC, yada, yada. And then they just have like 10 minutes of the helicopter just pinging around, like taking shots of all the like infrastructure, all that stuff they have, mm. all these crazy buildings. And, and Oh, and- yeah. Oh, it's more amazing that these two massive 40-minute climbs come out of nowhere. That's what I was yeah. more concerned about. <laughs> I was like, hang on. I haven't seen anything but desert for for the first five days. And yeah. now you got two 40-minute massive bergs out of nowhere. Mate, Where did that come mate, from? Man-made like that, like the island. <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah. It was, yeah. It's just, Rude shock. It's just like washing underneath the mountains. Um, <laughs> yeah. What was your what was your favorite bit about the hotels? What was the best bit? Uh I think for us, it was that we only had two hotels for the week. Like you didn't have to have the transfers. Like it was nice that you could set up shop for a few days in each one and, and just relax. I think that was the uh, the best part, to be honest. That's like cool. just not having massive transfers uh, and just being able to stay in the one spot and be a bit comfortable rather than rushing around packing the suitcase every day. Oh, yeah, that sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. So um... especially, especially because I had, like everyone else has only got one suitcase, you just wheel it along. But I had everything from Oz to come to Europe. So it was uh, <laughs> packing suitcases would have been a lot more of a nightmare if I had to take it to every hotel. Yeah, right. So it made it a lot nice. Well, not for me, for the carers. So I think they were probably pretty thankful that <laughs> they didn't have to cart 50 kilos of my luggage around. Oh, that's so good, mate. I love that. So your what have you got like a break now before your next sort of race like are you doing Torino or Paris Nice one of those two or Swiss no nah, so I uh, just had a few a few days off the bike now since UAE yeah uh yeah haven't haven't got back on since I think with the Aussie summer you go pretty hard early mm. so I've just unwinded a bit for the last week uh and then build up for uh either Copper Bartoli or Catalonia in I think two and a half three weeks time now yeah cool so, oh, so one of those yeah, yeah. So I'm pretty keen to get stuck into them, but also keen just to. I think it's been nice to have a week here of just setting up a bit, uh, getting into the just settling in. Uh, now I can crack on with some training uh, before the next race, and then it's pretty full gas from there. Uh, really full gas from there, to be honest. So it's nice just to have a bit unwind before it gets serious again. Yeah, definitely. I reckon like these moments now, you appreciate heaps um, when you're going race to race, hotel to hotel. I'm sure is. Uh, is Catalonia or Copa Bartley, um, is, is there a TT in Catalonia? I think it usually is. No, not this year. Not this year. Usually uh, has been last few years. This oh. year there's not. Uh, but Copa Bartley's got a triple T. Oh, so, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So either of them would be real cool to do. Uh, like, obviously, Catalonia is a big world tour race and yeah. Copa Bartley's in Italy, but it's got a triple T, which is probably my favourite event you can do. Yeah, yeah. So, sure. uh, yeah. Either will be uh, great fun, whichever one it goes. Um, but yeah, pretty keen for that. Yeah. That's sick. Yeah, the TT bike. We just have to wait. The next individual TT is a while then, I guess. Yeah. You- Eight weeks, I think, the next trip IT is. Jeez. It's a fair, yeah, fair <laughs> hike to wait. But that's all right. Uh, do you think if you, like, is this, like, with how the season, I'm sure you've got given sort of, you know, the races that you're going to do, maybe races that you, do you have races that, like, in how they build the calendar, is there, like, maybe do they highlight one in orange and say, if you perform well here or here, you might get moved into this group to go to these races. Is it like that or is it pretty set and forget? Uh, I, I'm not sure. I can't speak for the past. And I don't know if it will be like that in the future, but I think right now it's whoever's available to race, to be honest. I think every team's got quite a few riders out with yeah. COVID and uh, just injuries, to be honest, at the start of the season. Mm. So I think there's a lot of chopping and changing at the moment with racing. Mm. Um, you obviously have like your tour groups and your core guys that you got your tour team. And I'm sure other teams pretty operate similarly, but you got your tour team and then they'll go to certain stage races together to 
get a feel for it racing together and our training um and then you sort of swap and change other riders around the other races mm. apart from that especially with this team with the the tour focus mm. you got yeah you got two a group and they'll do they'll do your dauphines and your parinices and that as a team and then you rest you sort of fill in the gaps a bit in a way mm. and I, I assume most teams are like that yeah no it sounds about right and it's a good point about the the corona thing you can see riders just getting it left right center and um mm. it must be does it make you nervous it can... Yeah, well, I haven't had it, so I was like, Fuck. I guess I'm pretty nervous. Yeah, touch wood. Yeah, man. I'm. Uh, I guess coming to Europe, you're a bit like, oh, I'm in the thick of it now. Yeah. Um, I can't. Yeah, I tucked myself away in Bright for a few weeks there in Oz, so I was as safe as you could be, basically up there in the high country. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think you got to do it. You got to do a bit. Well, you got to be a bit more careful with it, yeah. um, and keep to yourself a bit. Uh, yeah. Just, oh, I guess you're going to get it at some stage, aren't you? Like, there's a few people getting it a few times. You just hope that when you do get it, it's not, uh, not when you're targeting a big race. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's like, I'll just be so, uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's, sometimes it's just like of the draw. You can do everything. Mm. I'm just, you know, you just got to hope. But it does, when everyone around you in your race teams, your race bubbles, and, and everyone, at least you know that the immediate people around you in the team, they're all as, like they know how hectic and how important it is as well versus you're not just out on the street where you know some people care some people don't sort of thing yeah exactly exactly do you think do you, well how about this not about do you think but would you want to ride a grand tour in your first year or do you prefer to do it after you've had like a year of establishment uh oh i think you are you'd always want it just because of the it's a grandy hey uh but for me, obviously, in my first year, the the tour and the Giro aren't possibility. The Giro is too early, and the tours, you ain't doing that in your first year unless you're Sweeney. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, nah, and for me, the well where the dates are for the Vuelta just doesn't fit with end of season goals. Yeah, um, especially like coming back to Australia for for TT Worlds. Oh. Like if I did the Vuelta, uh, I'm sure it would be a possibility if I asked and yeah. and trained up for it, and they said that they might have selected me, um, but by the time the welter finished, uh, you'd have a day off after that to go home. Then you have two days of travel to get back to Australia. Then um, a day away from TT Nats, uh, TT World. Sorry, home so world. it just doesn't. Yeah, it just doesn't fit this year. Um, and that was a shame. Like I would have loved to, especially the welter's got a triple T day one, yeah, which would have been sick to do. <laughs> like, especially oh. on this team, it would have been great fun. Yeah. But uh, just I like think like six national jerseys. Yeah, came down. But no, plenty of plenty of chances to to do them. So no, not this year. Um, fingers crossed for next year, uh, and hopefully, like I think, especially with the Volta, like that's usually people's first, and I think that's yeah. definitely one that uh, I'd like to do first. Mm. Um, and it'll work better with a, a European based Worlds. Mm. Um, I think just this year. But yeah, and if if Worlds wasn't in Aussie this year, I, I'd probably put my hand up and say I'd love to. Um, but yeah, just with. Oh, it's probably not going to be another home world, is there? So not for a while, yeah. Home world, you can't. No. Nah. And oh, the, I mean, that's another thing we have to touch on. That. What do you think of the TT course? Let's. Yeah. <laughs> no. I don't know if I can comment on that. Can <laughs> okay. I? Okay. Well, I mean, it's always roadblock territory. Okay. Mate, we've got forty-five corners, mate. Eh? Like, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I honestly think someone could actually do it on a road bike. Mar if right. Mar 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 rides on a road bike, I reckon she could actually win. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think, like, I try to I try to go up there and speak to some people before I came to Europe, but uh, it's like one-way streets and through car parks, uh, apparently. I'm not sure. So I can't, you can't really do recon until it's closed roads. It's closed, yeah. Um, yeah. So I haven't seen the road race course, to be honest. I've yeah. heard it's relatively tough. Mm. Um, but yeah, they are. Uh, TT course could have been a bit more straightforward, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think Rowan was the same. I was speaking to him on a, on a chat the other day, and he was um, he was more miffed about the length. Like he wanted, he's like, you know, yeah, it's like, short for the elite men, real short, or something. Like he was like, it's got to yeah. be fifty because he says, what was he saying? He was saying that Rowan said that like the difference between well, having it at like a 30, 40, a 35 minute effort brings so many more other people into the game versus the, the longer TT favors the real specialists. 
Do you think that's the and that's, Yeah. Oh, I think for me, in under 23s, yeah, 35. It's the same distance, and that's standard 23 distance. Mm. So that doesn't, for me, it doesn't change. But yeah, mate, Rowan's a specialist when it's like 50 minutes to an hour. Mm-hmm. 21 back-to-back titles at that length. That's right. Um, yeah, so I agree with that, uh, mm. with what he says. I, I was yeah shocked when it made it. Everyone's the same distance now. I think 23 men, elite women and elite men are all the same. Oh, interesting. I think everyone's the same, yeah. I think it's two laps of that circuit. And I think every circuit's got 20-odd corners. Oh, <laughs> oh, God. I'm definitely standing inside. I'm going there, so I'm definitely going to be uh, standing in the in a circuit, that's for sure. All right, so I've got some uh, <laughs> I've got some questions from the gallery. This is uh, this some mm. good stuff in here. Now I'm only going to pick the best ones, but actually, you know what? I wanted to start with a really good one. Pat Shaw has asked, "What do you think, Plappy, about the concept of Australian pros contributing money to a fund each year that supports riders that go overseas as amateurs to assist in their chances of going pro?" What do you reckon about that idea? Yeah, I think uh, I think it's a it's a good idea, especially for Aussies, uh, in the sense that we are we don't have a pathway at the moment. But I think uh, where that should come back is the I guess the twenty three program that we used to have set up. And I think having having a support from the from the federation uh, for the road that's probably the the number one thing that would help at the moment. And that's going to be bigger as a federation supporting it than uh, I, I think. Yeah, we for sure we can we can contribute, but we can't get race starts and opportunities, can you? With just people giving individual money. Great answer. Uh, yeah, Great. yeah. So I, th- I think for sure that that's a part of it, and the funding's a part of it to get you over there. But I think it's a it's got to be a two way street almost to to be able to have those opportunities and camps to to happen. Um, no, like I'll have anyone come and stay with me here in Girona, and they can do a camp, but it's not going to get a race starts to yeah to get opportunities. Yeah, uh, if that makes sense, for sure. Yeah, and that was the Australian team you were talking about. They used to have a great setup in Italy, you know, because that's where all the mm. rain were. And, you know, the alumni of, of some of the guys and girls out of that setup, I mean, what was it? One year there was Stora, Hinley, maybe Stannard, and, and someone else was in there as well. And they will just chopping up, you know, but racing those. Mm. I think it's, I think something like that's on the way back from what I'm, I'm what I'm hearing, and I think there's some uh, pretty awesome changes happening at Old Cycling now. Yeah, there is. So I think that's definitely. So yeah. I think from what I'm hearing, it's going to be an awesome setup again for the road, and mm. I think the uh, the juniors are going to get a lot more support, which is awesome. Yeah. So I think where maybe some where Pat's coming from, and he's a ripper bloke, and probably a lot of people think think the same sort of thing uh, is because it's been sort of starved of opportunities of late. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it's going to be a lot better for Aussies in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've got some. Some pretty awesome coaches as well that have experience over here that can help with that. Uh, Maddie Gilmore being one of them, so I think that's definitely something that's gonna that's gonna come. And the NRS is thriving at the moment. A few years ago, maybe not, but at the moment, it's it's popping off. Like it is awesome to see. Like I'm I'm over here and in UAE, and I'm just tuning in to watch this. Like I got up to watch uh, the Warney oh, at UAE. Late, mate. Cool. Yeah. So like it's it's awesome to see how well it's going. Like Jimmy tearing it up, and yeah. I think Camp Scott winning the Warney was. That was as cool as victory as I've seen uh, just for Cam. And yeah, so I think it's it's awesome to see how, how well NRS is going. And I'll always have a bit of a, I always love my informed boys. So I'm always going to watch them. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, to your point, I know I have a bit of involvement with some of the, with the junior setup here that we've got. Um, the, you know, the, the CDF, the multicolored kit from WA, the Cycling Development Foundation, they've got a, a junior setup called the JCA and um one of the under-19s in that setup has been picked for the Australian uh, like under-19 team and they are taking them over to Belgium this year. So, you know, that yeah. was there again, which is, you know, like, you know, you have to sort of go over there and experience it, don't you? Okay, another question. This one's, um, oh, yeah. Anna says, <laughs> what is the first phone app that you open when you get up in the morning? Training peaks through metrics. <laughs> That's good. Okay, training peaks. Because if I don't, if I don't, if I don't put my metrics in, in first thing, I won't do it. I'll forget. Wow. And it happens a lot. So I've got to. I, it's the only way I, I'll do it, or else I'll just forget and tune off. 
is is the metrics the like the how you feels out of ten? Yeah, 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 just sleep quality, how you feel, and then uh, probably the second second app I open is me and Georgia have a bit of a competition who slept the most with our aura ring. Just a bit yeah. of a battle, and uh, we made <laughs> yeah. the we made we've made like this uh, rule that whoever sleeps the least, like whoever has the worst sleep, has to like run out and turn the rocket machine on in the morning because it's like the last thing you want to the last thing you want to do is get out of bed straight away, but you know it needs a bit of time to warm up. And when you get out of bed, you want to have a coffee straight away. That's so true. Whoever sleeps the less has to go flick the rocket on. Nice. I can resonate with that. Me and uh, my partner, Megan, she also rides a bike. We uh, did the same thing when we got our Apple Watches and we were having competition. Yeah. Who had the most deep sleep? But it's a pretty good like way to keep you guys honest about the recovery, right? Oh, like that. I've had to now add like REM sleep and deep sleep into like so if I have more REM sleep, we add it to the total time because I can't win total time. So I'm trying to make it a bit like I'm I'm constantly getting less sleep. Yeah. So I'm trying to even the playing field a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, okay, I've got one from Pumpstagram. This is gold. I hear this guy's name when he's on the um, Stanley Street pod. But he says beer, coffee, or water. Uh, you'd add you'd add vino in there too at some stages. So. <laughs> okay all, all of the all d all of the above all of the above yeah and yeah. depends where if in oz in oz like summertime bright brewery can't go wrong one of my favorite places in australia mm-hmm. um in europe uh, i enjoy a glass of red with dinner cool um but cannot start the day with minimum like three four five coffees like i love my coffee like yeah. filter rock espressos whatever yeah, whatever there is, that's like I really get into it. Uh, like take the travel kit to racing and things. So, oh, cool. yeah. yeah, yeah. So all of the above for that. Are you um? As you rocket set up, have you got a scales timer that sort of stuff? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Got the works. Love it. Very yeah, good. yeah. Very good. What are the rockets like? I only see them. I've never used one before, but they look like a pretty elite setup. Mm. Yeah, I love it. Uh, oh, it's. I think the the coffee's good. Like the coffee's great, but. For me, it's the it's the method of making it in the morning that I love, like going through the, like you said, weighing your coffee, yeah. trying to get like a two to one ratio. Like, I think that's what I love so much, like yeah. the process of going through it. Yeah, yeah for sure. I agree. And, and that's why I love like my uh, Chemex and filter coffees because it's the same sort of thing, like the way you pour the kettle and yeah, like it's it's the process for sure that I, I love. And I, like, I love the coffee, don't get me wrong. Yeah. Um, but I think I enjoy the process more than drinking it. Mate, I'm with you all the way. I'm with you. The only mm. reason I got that the same Chemex setup is just wow. There's an art to it, isn't it? And getting it oh, right. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But there's like so many variables, and you can taste the difference. Oh, mate, it's I love it. <laughs> I think I think that's why I love uh, filter coffee more because you get more you get different flavors out of it. You do. Everything you do. Yeah, you definitely do. For sure. You Once you put milk in it, it just yeah, you're limited to your taste. Eh? Yeah. Well, it's yeah, it takes over and. Like, yeah, the filter is the best like example because you know you you go to a co- you go to a cafe, you get a long black, get a you know, and you get, usually get a little card saying you know origin mm-hmm. bean, that sort of stuff, the the taste. But a filter, you're right, you can really taste actual the overtones and you know. Yeah, oh, I'm with you, mate. I'm with you. <laughs> uh, okay, one more question from. Um, so this is um, this must be in reference to um, there's so many questions, mate, but. This uh, pump my tires up. This is, I guess, this is in re- response to you know when you're on the the Aussie Olympic team and everyone dyes their hair bleach blonde in the Aussie setup. Love it. I think it's so good. <laughs> if the tradition changed and you had to dye it jet black, <laughs> would you go along with that tradition? Uh... Jet black, you'd look like a villain. No, but see, it's it's not a tradition, then, is it? There's no history behind it. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, and, and so the Olympic thing—that's that's not a that's not a tradition. That was just a thing that Cal instigated this this right. year. So okay. it's the the tradition's the Junior Worlds one. That's where there's a proper story behind it, and that's yeah. where you present a PowerPoint to your coaches, and you get told if you've passed a PowerPoint, and you found who the oracle is, and if you find the oracle, then you then get permission to dye your hair. The Olympics, that was just a, that was a thing we did to just, oh, I guess, get a bit of culture in the team and bring it closer together and have some fun with the, the guys and girls. So the girls dyed our hair and just brought us all closer. But Junior Worlds, that's where, 
that's where the, the tradition is and that's where like there's a massive story and things behind it. Okay. All right. I don't want to ask what the story is. It's secret stuff, but there's an actual pathway. You've got to, what you have to do like a presentation. There's like a little game involved. That's very, yeah. okay. Yeah. It's proper. It's a, it's a, I want to almost say a month. It's a month's work. So you do at the first, first junior world's camp, you find out about it. Then you got a, a month to the next junior world's camp. And that's where you make your presentation. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. Look, that's a it, It's good fun. Yeah. Oh yeah. And there's, there's a lot of fun and games behind the scenes as well with our uh, past riders. That's where it, so it's, you got to throw them off the scent a bit. Okay. You got to try and make them fail. You got to try it, make them fail. <laughs> it's making me figure. You got to test them. <laughs> it's good fun. It's, it's really good fun. I think for us, like as juniors, you don't know some of the riders. Like right now, I know all the riders that you've got a relationship with them. But when you step into the junior worlds team, you don't know each other really unless they're from your same state. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, it's awesome. It brings you really close together. Mm-hmm. Uh, it definitely created a, an awesome coach with us boys and, a, and a, that's a group of guys that I still chat with most days today uh, and some of them are my best mates. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a real cool way that they do it. Like, absolutely love it. It's sick, mate. And do, who, who started it or is that hidden? That's hidden. Okay. Uh, all right, so someone. It's a fair few years ago, that. Like that. Okay, that's good. I just, yeah, yeah. It's a fair yeah. few years ago. Because if I if I said it here, no, the, the next group of guys, they just they just jump on here, listen to the answers. And, no, no, no. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, loser's mistake yeah. has to stay hidden. I love. Yeah, it. that's. But right. see, I, we didn't know there was a story behind it until we got to the camp. So we were like, "Oh, what day are we dye our hair?" And the coach is like, "Uh, uh, uh, ain't that easy." Like, <laughs> it ain't just a thing you get to do oh that's so cool that's awesome yeah all right well i've got uh two questions of my own um i want to know what is your do you have a favorite because i'm a big sunglasses fan um plappy like sports sunglasses um cycling sunglasses what's your favorite pair of frames to wear in a race and do you have like a pair that you wear only for training or and only for racing. Yeah, so I've got uh, I got the Sutro lights. You know the. Yes. I've got them. Oh yeah. Um, so they're my favorite. Okay. And then the jaw breakers. So just a. Yeah. They're a bit uh, so they're like a Ineos icon almost. I'd call those jaw breakers a bit. I feel like they've always worn them, even when they went out a bit of fashion, kept them going a bit. Mm, they so, do. Uh, Fido. He always wears. Them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I've got a couple of custom painted ones, which uh, I love a lot. So they're my training ones, just some special custom color Oakleys with like some oh, yeah. green and gold on them. What's the um the guy who made them? Or is it? Uh, he's Mad Custom Designs. He's called. He's a. Uh, oh, it's on Yeah, yeah. He's Bel- awesome Belgian guy. Yeah, he's awesome. Yeah. So he's uh he's done me some pretty awesome designs and then in the race i just wear my the plain colored oakley's ones like the the team ones mm-hmm. but yeah i'm pretty i like the big ones i do uh but i was rocking the radars actually in uh in uae i think yeah. they're they're a staple aren't they they're the ogs that you can't go wrong with yeah but they, it changes with uh road training and tt training because uh when you're like in the tt bike the frame gets a bit in the way of your eyesight so what do you do there so, tv zeros or yeah, yeah, the uh, no, no, the the catos, oh, they're the new ones. Oh, the, those, yeah. Because mm, I don't have the frame on the top. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, mm. I, I have had a pair of the flight jackets, but they just don't suit the face. Nah, they're a stinker. Yeah. Uh, they don't. They don't work with me. They suck. The Oakley, the radar, I can't pull them out. Yeah, they're no good. But the radars are good because that ear sock is so long mm. they don't move. You know. Nah. Like, yeah. You can't stuff. go wrong. You can't, you go, can't wrong. go wrong with them. Please, uh, yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, and my last one is I really want to know what are the nimble shoes like? They look Sensational, cool. mate. Yeah. So I I wore a previous previous brand yeah. that for five years and I don't, never thought I'd swap ever. Uh, like loved them. And then I got these nimbles and they're something else, mate. Like the, the way they're designed is pretty awesome. Like, mm. And, and the company as a whole, like they uh, message us, they ask for our input in making the next design. Like what, what can we change in the shoe? What do we like about them? What don't we like about them? Mm. Um, 
spectacular. And the laces are my favorite. Like the way they fit around your foot. The laces? Pretty awesome. Yeah, the lace-ups. The lace-ups they've got. So they're my oh, favorite. Those. Wow. Yeah. So I, I wear them most. It was just nationals and UAE because of the heat. Yeah. I, uh, I like starting with almost no tension on them. And you can't really afford to do that with the laces. <laughs> but uh, in terms of like, I'll wear the laces more almost every race now in Europe just because of how much I love them. Um, but yeah, absolutely sensational shoe. Yeah, like, oh, mate, you got to get a set like that. I'm going and to. And I think like they, the way they look, like, oh, they look. Yeah. Mate, the old like, you, you see them all, yeah, over, yeah. all over Instagram. Um, and they've done so good with their branding. Like, it looks, you know, getting some absolute weapons wearing them, but then you, the product. Yeah, and I think, like, you see, like, I think there's something like 55 pros wearing them this year. Yeah. Like, that's in one year to get that many guys on them is pretty awesome. And I think it shows how good, a, like, what they've made, how good it is. Like, people are loving it. Yeah, especially shoes, man, because they're so individual and so important mm. for performance as well. You're not just going to go, oh, ride my, sh-. you know, I'll give you three pair of shoes. And you guys are like, well, I can get those, you know, from anyone. It's got to be good, you know. For sure. Weird. Yeah. And they've made me a, a custom track shoe, like oh, a, a carbon one. Yeah. 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 Cool. I was going to. So it's cool that they've got, track shoe. they've got that, uh, they've got those resources, I guess. Like, that's what's so cool about it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, the lace-ups look super um, vented. The air. Super clean, just like the way they are, the way they fit. Yeah, I just got Georgia onto them, actually. They oh. are, and she loves them. She was rocking them in Belgium on the weekend, an opening weekend. Oh, le- hey, she did all right, too. Not bad. Front group every time. Not bad at all. That's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, had a little little tumble the other day, but she's uh, she'll be back for Roubaix, back for the end of the Classics. People notice, you know, that's the first thing I look for is scroll down and see how far deep is the front group and who's in it and, um, you know, seeing mm. Ruby in, in the first moves and stuff. In, like, their first proper races there is impressive. Yeah. Yeah, it's sick. Pretty awesome. Like, just to step into her classics is not bad at all. Yeah, sick. All right, well, um, good luck with the next uh, Aura uh, sleep score. And, yeah, I'll need, the, I'll, need the, I'll need the luck. Yeah, mate, 100%. All right, well, um, we'll catch up soon. Stay in touch, eh? Thanks, mate. And that's it, legends. Another episode of the Press Room Podcast presented by Zwift, done and dusted. I can't believe it. How good was that it? Now, Luke Plapp, big friend of the podcast, he's definitely going to be back on the pod during the year and we'll be chatting in with him. And you know what? We're just going to get to know him more and more. And uh, yeah, big thanks to Plappy for coming on the pod. Um, I also, I want to say, have you seen the branding? Now that the, the contract is signed, the title sponsorship is announced, I can update all the branding for the podcast. So you would have noticed the new look that I told you guys about, you would have seen with some of the episode cards, but now I can update everything. And I want to thank Annie Kidd, Annabelle Kidd of Hello Ramble. That's her company name. She was the graphic designer behind the new look for the podcast going forward. So if you need any help with um, small business branding, websites, all that sort of stuff, branding kits, you know, all that graphic design sort of stuff, she is an absolute wizard. So hit her up, Hello Ramble on Instagram. Check out her website because she did some absolute magic for the Press Room Podcast. And, um, you know, why not get on board? But anyway, guys, we've got more episodes to come. I'm going to try and release at least three episodes a fortnight. Sometimes there might have been two a week. But you know they're going to be dropping weekly, no doubt. And I'll chuck in a few extras here or there. All right, guys, that's it for another episode of the Press Room Podcast presented by Swift. I'll see you on Wantopia. Take care.